Redemption of the Podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer. And once again, I know I say it every week, but I'm going to be like a broken broken record with it. You've got to make sure you're studying to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure you're putting in the work. Make sure that you're doing the things that you need to be doing, because the time is now where I'm telling you the end of this age is very, very quickly approaching here. And I just think we've got to be prepared and ready, right? I mean, we think about this. I mean, there's four red heifers in Israel, and there have not been a single red heifer in Israel for over 2,000 years. So the ashes of the red heifer are possible to be dedicated um, to a third temple, and we don't know how long it would take for that third temple to be erected. We don't know if we're going to be here. A lot of people think that the third temple is erected during the during the the tribulation, but the scripture says that they stop the sacrifice. So it's going to take some time to get the sacrifice established and get the the norms established as well, back to the way that the priesthood used to be. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know how long. I don't know what it's going to look like. The one thing I can tell you, though, is that we need to be prepared. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to trust in Jesus Christ. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we need to just make sure our focus is on him, make sure we're doing the work that he has for us to do. Because as long as we're in his will, as long as we're doing that work, then guess what? Nothing's going to come come against us. But the moment we step out in our flesh, we step out in our own iniquity, the moment we start doing the things that aren't according to what he wants, that's when we open up the door for something else. Amen. So look, I, I know I teach that. And I know I talk about that every single week, but we've just got to to make sure that we are on that same level and that we are focused on him and that he is our focus and that we are staying close to him as we possibly can. So this week, we're going to continue on in the book of Exodus, and we're going to look at the bread and water or the provision that is provided to Israel. So if you remember, we talked about Passover, um, the day that they came out and were delivered and were redeemed out of Egypt. We talked about that being a picture of the redemption of the work of the cross of the Passover lamb, which Jesus Christ fulfilled um, when he came and died on the cross. Last week, we talked about the baptism, um, the baptism by water, um, and how when they went through the Red Sea, it was a picture of their baptism, the purpose of that, how it creates a separation between us and the world. And then this week, we're going to focus on the provisions that the Lord provides for our journey in the wilderness. So, But until we get to there here in a second, just some housekeeping items. All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you would like a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at path to redemption Ohio at gmail.com. More than happy to get one into your hands. Also, um, if you'd like a copy of my book, Grace Abounds, just drop me a note, path to redemption Ohio at gmail.com. More than happy to get one to you as well. And then um, also, do not just take my word for it. Make sure that you're studying to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure you're putting in the work. I, I know I say it every week, but I mean it. And I just explained why. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and let's dive in. So after their baptismal experience, Israel then journeys from Elam to the wilderness. So Exodus 16, 1 through 3 says, and They journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of 
of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the this wilderness to kill this assembly with hunger. A few things to notice here. First, they're journeying in the wilderness. So they've gone through the redemption. They've had their, their baptismal moment. They've had the rejoicing. Miriam's danced and sang. Moses has sang a song, right? Now it's time to get down to it with the Lord. It's time to begin the trial so that he can ultimately have his purpose. Remember what First Peter 1, 3 through 9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is the trials and the tribulations that bring us closer to him. But in all things, he will provide during the trial. And look, we... Peter here tells what the purpose of it is, that we are the trial of our faith is more more precious than gold, that it perishes in the fire, though it is tested, that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right, That's the whole purpose, that we may really rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. Right, That's why we are tested. That's why it's proven, Right, so that we can get closer to him, so that we can once again go through that that same thing where we are resurrected into the likeness of who he is. No one likes the trials. No one. At first, we moan and groan and complain just as Israel did. And that's normal, right? But look at what they said. They, they said that in, in, in verse two here, or verse three, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. There has never once been in the history of this earth that a slave has eaten his bread to the full. I'm sorry, that just has not happened. But yet, when we begin to go through the trials, particularly in the first part of our belief, then we begin to think, oh man, it was better when we were back here. It was better when we were doing this. It was better when we had this group of friends or that group of friends, or it was better when we were over over doing this. That was contrary to to what the Lord wanted to. We'll do all types of mental gymnastics in order to justify where we were relative to where we are now. And I think that we have to, to understand that if you know that that's part of what going to be here, then we can push through it a little bit more quickly, right? But I'm telling you right now that all of this happens to every single one of us until finally we come to a position where we realize that there is no valley and there is no mountain with God. It is just a simple walk, and all we have to do is walk the path that is set.
set before us. And once we get to that point, then we've entered into perfect peace. We've entered into rest. We know that no matter what happens, it's according to his will, that he has everything in us. It makes our lives a whole lot easier, and we don't have to sweat anything, really, because we just trust him. Amen. But that takes time, and that certainly isn't where the children of Israel were, and it wouldn't be where they were going either. But despite this, the Lord says that he will feed them from heaven. Exodus 16, 4 through 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Now notice what the Lord says. He says he will feed them, but he will test them. Again, the trials of our faith are to bring us closer to the Lord due to the work that that Christ did on the cross. What does that mean? That means our flesh must die and it must be resurrected into him. Paul talks about this in Romans 6 through 8, which I think is one of the most important passages in scripture because it really explains all the bad things that happen to us and why and what the purpose is because ultimately our old man has to be crucified. Our flesh has to be nailed to that tree. We have to die. We have to be reckoned dead to the cross of Jesus Christ so that we can be alive unto Christ Jesus. So understanding that that's the purpose of the trials. It takes a purpose of our, a part of our faith or a part of our, of our flesh, I should say, and then it takes it and it addresses it and God deals with it, right? God deals with it and he cuts it out and he puts it on the fire on the altar and he makes he basically makes a sacrifice in us, right? That's the purpose here, okay? And that's why it's so important that even as we go through trials, we run back to the Lord, we focus on the Lord, and we follow him in all things, right? But during that time, though, guess what happens? The children of Israel are in the wilderness here, but God brings the bread. He provides bread for them. He, in this case, he provides manna. And what is this picture of the manna from heaven? It is the word. It's the word of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Christ quoted this when he was tempted by Satan. Understanding this, we know that the word of God is Jesus Christ, right? So if the if the word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord is Jesus Christ, that's what we live by. You see, John opens his gospel, the one that shows Jesus as the Son of God, like this. John 1, 1 through 14 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, and that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
but God, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we held his, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is an amazing passage that defines and shows the deity of Jesus Christ and who He was. He is the Word of God. He came, and the Word was made flesh for us. Right now, we should we would not live by bread alone, by the food that we eat, but that we would live by the word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ. He is the provision that is provided for us in the wilderness. Until we get to that point where we realize that there's no valleys and there's no mountaintops with the Lord, that it's just a walk, we must find the Lord in our valley. He, We must find him in order to grab hold of him, right? Because he is the lily of the valley. If we find him, then guess what? We can focus our eyes on him rather than the trouble that we have, and then we can find that place and rest. Don't forget his mind, or he is at perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord because he trusts in him, right? So understanding all of that, we know that Jesus Christ, being the word of God, being the picture of the man coming out from heaven, is our sustenance while we're in the wilderness, while we're going through the trials of our faith. And if we can walk with him, then we can become intimate with him. And that is who he is included, the in, who he is is included in this word. God meets us though with what we need through his word. So Exodus 16, 15 through 16 says, so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. God provided exactly what each person needed in the manna. He provided enough for every person in the tent, provided enough day after day, twice as much on on Fridays and leading into the Sabbath. That's the way our relationship with Christ is. It is personal. And he provides exactly what we need when we need it, according to what our needs are. Amen. Because we, that's what he does, particularly when we are seeing our flesh die so that it may be resurrected back to him. God provided the exact right amount of manna for each person. And I think that that is a phenomenal God to make it personal for them. He was reaching out to the children of Israel saying, I have you in the palm of my hands. Whatever needs you have is exactly the way I am going to meet you. But it's not just the bread that he provides either, but also the water of life to sustain and refresh us. We see this in Exodus 17, 5 through 7, where it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Moreb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, iniquity aside, a just want to focus on the water coming out of the rock. We see the water being provided but for the children of Israel. But what is that rock but Jesus and the revelation of who he is? Matthew 16, 15 through 19 says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The rock was struck, showing the striking of Jesus Christ, and the river of living water that flows from him. You know, he told the Samaritan woman that this water is everlasting life. John 4, 13 through 14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. When we go to intimacy with Jesus Christ, when we spend time with our in our prayer closet, when we spend time in his scripture, when we spend time at church with, the, with other believers around us, guess what happens? We get refreshed. We get refreshed by the water of the living word, which is in Jesus Christ. We then can can push through what's happening in our lives. We can be refreshed and walk a little bit further than maybe what we were able to beforehand. Why? Because ultimately it is Christ that has provided us with that everlasting life. It only comes through him. And and, and I think that we have to understand that, right? Because if we don't, if we don't have that intimacy with him and we don't have, have the, the relationship with him, then none of this matters. None of this has made effect for us. Why? Because without that intimacy with him, how can we go and be comforted? How can we go and have be restored? How can we go and have those things happen if we don't have an intimate relationship with him? But let's not forget, this is how this whole thing wraps up too, right? In Revelation 22, the scripture says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the lamb in the middle of its streets, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. There is a river of life flowing from the very throne of God and the Lamb. Amen. And that's a picture that we see here in the book of Exodus when Moses strikes the rock. Amen. Hallelujah. How amazing is our God and how amazing is he? Because without that water of everlasting life, without the being able to go to him and drink of that and to be refreshed, then I'll be honest with you, I would have fallen by the wayside yeah, numerous, numerous times, years ago. Because when we walk with Christ, we will have trials and tribulations. We are. We're going to have things that are happening. There's always going to be bad news on the on at the other end of that phone. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're still human. We're still fallen beings. We still live in a fallen world. Bad things are going to happen, and they will happen to you. Look, if someone told you that, that being a Christian and following Christ was all sunshine and roses and lollipops and rainbows, I'm sorry that you were sold a bill of goods, because it's not. In fact, there's to whom much is given, much is required. In fact, for us, it might even mean more suffering, more trials, more tribulations, right? Than maybe what the normal person may go through. But the one thing I can tell you that we do have through all of this 
is hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of the Messiah. We have the hope of our salvation. We have the hope of our sanctification, of our wisdom, and also of our righteousness. We have the hope of everything that he is. We have the hope of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We have the hope of the one whose words formed the very foundations of the earth. We have the hope in him that he, the one that will put everything under his feet, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, and then turn around and give it to his father so that God can be the end all, be all for all things. Amen. Hallelujah. We have hope in him. Even in the trials and even in the midst of the wilderness, we have hope in him. His word, the bread of life, and the water of life that he gives us sustains us in our deserts. You will have deserts. I cannot tell you that you won't because you will. You absolutely will, but he is there to sustain you. He will carry you. He will help push you, right? And guess what? And I'm going to tell you something that my mom told me is that she, we and her would, would talk about how we get through trials and tribulations and trusting the Lord and stuff. And she used to tell me growing up, she'd be like, Daniel, it doesn't matter how you get through the trial. The fact of the, the only thing that's important is that you get through it. And what does that mean? She's like, it doesn't matter if you, if you run across the finish line, walk across across the finish line, crawl across the finish line, or army crawl across the the finish line. The point is that you get across the finish line, right? And the only way to do that is to not lose hope in our salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Not lose hope in who he is. Not lose hope in the work that he has done, because it's already finished. He doesn't need to do a single thing more. He really doesn't. He doesn't have to come in on the scene. He all he has to all we have to do is believe him and trust him and walk with him. See, we must learn to rely on him for all things. Only then can we truly walk in the peace that surpasses all understanding. Only then can we truly come back to the way he wanted it originally in the garden, which was man walking with him in the cool of the garden and him providing all of our needs according to all of his riches and glory. That's what he wanted. That intimacy, that type of walk, that full-blown reliance on him and on who he is. Only people that I know that ever got there were Jesus Christ. I think Abraham got close to that, but although Abraham made some missteps, but Abraham was his friend. I think Moses got relatively close to that too. But at the end of the day, Adam did it. He had to fully rely on him until the fall. And I truly believe that Jesus Christ did it because at the end of the day, Jesus was fully man and fully God. Amen. So look, We've got to understand that as we're in the wilderness, as we see trials, as we see tribulations, which are going to be many, I'm sorry, they just are, especially as we approach this end, because I'm telling you, there are some things that are going to come into play that we're going to have to understand and that we're going to have to be prepared to walk through. Amen. So when we when we understand that then we'll we'll be much much better off and prepared for what's about to happen and what's about to come so But look, next time we're going to talk about Israel at Mount Sinai when they finally get over to Mount Sinai because there's a lot of things that happen here that are a picture of of what we have to do and what, what our walk looks like, right? But look, you've been redeemed. 
you've been sanctified, you've been baptized in him, you've been separated out for a purpose. His provision is there for you. He will build it up. He will build you up. He will give you the giftings you need. He will make sure that you have whatever you need in order to fulfill the work that he has for you. Amen. Don't lose hope in that. Don't lose faith in that, right? Because no matter what you're going through, he's got you. Just fall back into his hands. Fall back into him and cast this care upon him that cares for you. Because a lot of people I know are going through trials and tribulations right now. Every one of us are. And the reason is to bring us more intimate with him, to bring us closer to him, and to learn to trust him for the things that are coming onto the earth. Because we don't know how bad it's going to get before we leave this earth. Amen. So look, I hope you got something out of this. I, I hope you enjoy, you're enjoying the study. Um, next week, again, we're going to talk about Israel at Mount Sinai. But until next time, just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.